Hey there, I'm Sarah Duty, host of the Career Strategy Podcast. Many professionals are seeking more impact, flexibility, growth, and let's face it, getting paid what they're worth. But how do you unlock this in your career? It starts with strategy. I'm taking you behind the scenes of what's working for my career coaching clients. You'll hear strategies and actionable, yet sometimes against the grain, advice for how you can be the CEO of your career and stop dreading Mondays. Ready to level up your career? Let's get after it. Hey everyone, Sarah here, and today we have something a little bit different. Today, I thought it would be interesting and helpful to share with you a recent mindset and coaching call that we hosted for people not in Career Strategy Lab. Calls like this happen every single week with my coaches as well. Sometimes I'm there depending on my schedule. And these calls are really meant to help you get clarity on questions, work through mindset things, and also just connect with other people who are on this same journey of career advancement and really personal development in your career as well. So in today's episode, you're going to hear from a couple of the coaches inside my Career Strategy Lab program and really interesting, insightful, intentional discussion about a ton of topics related to your career. So I hope you liked today's episode. Let me know. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn. I would love your feedback, especially if you would love to hear more of these types of calls um, in future episodes. All right, let's get to it. All right, cool. So welcome. I think people are going to continue to kind of trickle in, but I'm going to go ahead and get started. Hello, I am Erin. I am one of the coaches on the CSL team. And also here we have Rebecca and Steph. It's so nice to meet y'all. Thank you so much for coming. This call came from a conversation Sarah and I were having about the mindset calls that we have inside of CSL. And there's not much that we do outside of CSL that really gives people a chance to touch that energy or to see what that's like. And so we decided to do this really as a test to invite people in to experience this side of CSL, which is the mindset component, which we believe is part of a full career strategy. And it's something that I think on the internet, a lot of times can just be like, think positive. And that's not always the most helpful or useful. And inside of Career Strategy Lab, we try to do a very intentional job of creating space for you as the human being. I'm going to mention CSL through this, but this is not a sales pitch by any means, but it needs to come up here. Really the types of calls we have in CSL, there are strategy Q and A's. So you can come and you ask questions about like your resume, about the projects you're putting in, about this thing that happened. That's what do I do now? Because I got this interview on this day. Anyway, it's all like very tangible. Here's what we would suggest, right? The mindset calls are much more focused on what's happening right now in your life. How are you the human? And what is your relationship to the work that you've committed to do around your career strategy? Because believe it or not, and as many of you may know, or have your own experience, with, as you're moving through doing the work of developing your career materials and getting that next role, it can be hard in unexpected ways. And what we see a lot of the time are the challenges that come up around confidence. There's grief that comes up. So when we're going back and looking at past jobs and things that have happened for our resume, sometimes there's difficult bosses that we've had. There's projects that didn't go great. There's almost like Un, I was going to say unsolved mysteries. <laughs> That's not what I mean, but there's open loops there that we haven't actually closed. And then the way that pops up or sometimes what it sounds like is I just can't get myself to do this. It's okay, cool. Let's talk about it. And so we try to create the space to talk more about those challenges and to give some space to figure out a way forward, to perhaps have a reframe, to perhaps get some tangible momentum in one direction with a, okay, here's what you can do, or here's something to try. And other times there's an element of unlearning and rethinking that needs to happen just around like jobs and career in general. And I am a 35 year old white woman who lives in Virginia. We all have different experiences. And what that means is inside the job place, we've all had different experiences too. So I think that's very important. There's also elements like things that come up around privilege and ageism and 
toxic work environments, like all of these things are real. The layoffs that we're seeing are real, right? The economy is a real thing. The fact that we can't just live, at least in Virginia and in my life, I can't live without an income at this point, right? Like my life costs money. And so there's some very real challenges and very real things to consider that are more than just, oh, think positive and like, just do the resume. It's more than that. And so I like to say that up front so we all can hold that together. And the fact that this is complicated, it's complex. This is capitalism and dealing with that. And we can hold space for that. And then we can also make a decision if we have capacity for that. And if this is what we choose to work on our career materials to really stand out. Sarah speaks about it as the product of you. And in doing that and developing the product of you, there's sales and marketing. And that's really like your interview process, your LinkedIn, your resume, all of these different pieces of the puzzle are how you're showing up and being perceived by others. And a lot of this goes back to like when we were younger and what we learned from our caretakers in terms of taking up space, speaking about ourselves, bragging and like feeling confident versus being cocky and finding that kind of like happy medium of no, like I'm, I am doing a good job and I can talk about that. And the ability to communicate that through both your career materials and on interviews and in your networking without being like <laughs> salesy or anything. That is a piece of this puzzle too. That is sales. That is connection and like having some sort of conversion. And I share all of that. So we have multiple lenses on this as we're moving through. And uh, that's it. I'm going to go ahead and just, if you are here, if you could just mute yourself, that would be awesome. And we'll carry on. Anything that I missed there? Steph, Becca, if you'd like to say hi, feel free. Hi, I think you covered everything, but I'll just go ahead and say hello. As Erin said, I'm one of the coaches on the team here for CSL and excited to be here for this chat and to meet everybody. And hi, everyone. My name is Steph, and I am also a coach inside of CSL. Happy to be here to see you all and hope that you find this hour together super beneficial to your job search. Thank you, Steph. All right, cool. One last point just about how we do coaching, and we start all of our mindset calls off like this, just with a friendly reminder that. So we will have time for open questions. I've actually taken on the forum where you signed up for this call, a lot of people submitted questions. I took all of them, I organized them. And so I'm gonna speak to a few of the themes that came up, which are around motivation, optimism, confidence, and rejection. And then if we have time and I'll leave space for time in between too, but we can ask questions in real time too. And I'll do my best to you know get to what we can get to in the next hour. That said, a lot of times on our mindset calls, we, this probably won't happen here as much, but we'll ask the group, like, do you have anything to share that might be helpful? Because we're going, everyone's on a similar path, right? And what we ask them to do is to make sure we have consent from the person who shared in the first place to comment or give advice or anything like that. Because sometimes it can be very vulnerable and like uncomfortable to talk about some of this stuff. And when it does come up, if your boundary after that is I might share something with your consent, you have a thought. And then it might be like, and now this is closed. Don't touch it. And that's great. Tell us no, love it. On the other hand, you might be like, yes, I'm totally open to more. Like I'd love more feedback around this. Okay, great. There's no right or wrong. It really is like about you. And I think the practice of saying no, saying yes, and even checking in is important both for, you know, self-management, but also management in the workplace and kind of creating healthier environments where we're sharing thoughts and feedback. Okay. Any questions or comments before we get started with the pre-submitted questions and then anything else that comes up? No, okay. I don't see any hands, but feel free to unmute if needed. Okay, we are gonna go ahead and start with these pre-submitted questions. And just so you have transparency into my process, as I said, I took all of the questions, threw them in a spreadsheet, went through them all, categorized them. There were a number of questions that were a bit more around strategy. Like for example, if you ask something around like knowing the key details that were in, in a resume, how to switch careers, what goes in your portfolio, what to say on interviews, how to land more interviews, analyzing like your rejections. I'm going to touch on that a little bit, but in a different way than I think the question was intended and like finding a job that pays well without experience. These are all questions that I wouldn't consider necessarily mindset questions. They're more on the strategy side. So I'm not going to touch those today. So now moving into like motivations, the biggest question here, and again, I combined all of them into one was about tips on stated, staying motivated in the job search. And 
I think that one of the main things to consider here around motivation, actually, there's a few different things. This actually came up on a CSL call the other day, and I gave a, a mini monologue around why do we need to feel motivated to get started on something? And perhaps there's room there to just consider, oh, we're looking for motivation. Unfortunately for us, motivation actually typically comes once you start doing something. So it's the action and momentum that brings that motivation. And so instead of focusing on a feeling to get started, it might be more helpful to focus on a task to get started and then notice how the feelings change as we move through things. And that's typically where I come from in the motivation spot. And I will share that on that Q&A call, I shared that. And then Sarah shared something that was very strategic about, we were talking about a very long like case study in this case. And she recommended, well, what if it, what if we're not talking about a two-year project? Is there just one part of this? So that's great. And so with motivation and like with mindset questions, I just want to point out that oftentimes there is a strategic approach too. This is not a one or the other a lot of times. And so just bringing that frame to questions too can be helpful. Other things here that can be helpful for motivation specifically are to actually like define what you're trying to be motivated for, because it is different to find motivation or get the energy to work on your resume versus getting a job. It like getting a job or the job search is so large. It's so vague. And so there is some work we can do around that to really like hone down into what are you trying to do and why? And I know that again, hashtag capitalism money, a lot of time is the answer to the why, but it can be helpful too, to really dig to like, what is your why personally? What are you trying to do within your work aside from just um, get a paycheck and again, I understand that sometimes that is a, the ability to answer that question or really the capacity to answer that question changes over time. And if you are in a situation where there is no capacity for right now, for that right now, I totally respect that and acknowledge that. But what we see a lot of the times is that as people are moving through their job search, number one, if you are actually anchored into something that you care about, if your job is about not only paying the bills, but also using your skills and helping the world in some way or helping the team in some way and the way that feels best for you, it becomes easier and lighter and something more attractive that like motivation can show up for that more easily sometimes. So that might be something to consider there as well. In addition, it can be helpful to notice like how you self-motivate. Many times I would say, <laughs> and this is outside of the CSL container too. I also coach business owners and Something that comes up is this like desire for motivation, almost being wrong that motivation doesn't exist. It's, I don't feel the right way to do this. And therefore there's this problem I have to solve. And sometimes having a problem to solve is very motivating for us. So it can be helpful to zoom out too, and just think about how do you get motivated personally? And if you are someone who's a last minute deadline dancer, like me, there's something in that where like the process of not being motivated and having this story of, oh, I can't, I don't want to, that might actually be your current form of motivation. And so that is just like something to reflect on, to possibly consider and to look at. And if that is true, then it's probably not just this. It's probably think about jobs. How do you perform best? Think about in family or friends and relationships, like what do you need to do the things that kind of have to be done in life? And I would just invite anyone to reflect on your personal processes around that and reflect on your self-coaching through that. The inner voice piece of this, you really are like the CEO of the product of you, right? Not only are you selling yourself, but you're also leading the team that is selling yourself and showing up for these interviews and the job search and all of that jazz. And as the CEO part of this, you also take on the role of coaching the human who is doing the work here, um, not to get too abstract, but paying attention to your inner voice and like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I haven't done this. Is that coming up or is it more like, okay, cool. Where do you want to start? And really start to notice, like, what does that sound like? Because that can be something that we can shift more easily than the feeling of motivation. Like we can bring tangible tools to that where we can start like noticing how we're speaking to ourselves. And then as we're changing that, this whole process of working on your career materials really is transformative, not just because your materials are like looking amazing, but also like you're changing the way you feel and the way you are throughout, which then changes the confidence and the energetic exchange when you're having a conversation with a recruiter or a hiring manager or the person that would be hiring you. 
I'm going to pause here for a second because that was a lot. <laughs> if anyone has any questions specifically about that and like motivation, happy, feel free to unmute yourself or you can put in the chat, I have a question <laughs> and we can do our best to answer those as well. Seeing myself as a product makes this job process so much clearer. I'm glad. Yep. I think that can be helpful too. You almost have to separate yourself from it. And that's really helpful when you're dealing with rejection and like the data of the job search. It's important to remember, oh, this isn't about me, the human necessarily. This is about the job market and what's happening in these companies. And not everything is a direct reflection of my worth as a human. Um, and when we talk about getting paid what you're worth and that sort of thing, it's like, it's getting paid your professional worth, not your human worth. Like you as a human are infinitely worthy. And I think that's an important thing to remember as well. All right. I'm not seeing any questions, but I'm going to. No, but I got really disheartened. I got laid off in November and I got really mm -hmm. disheartened a couple of months ago about getting second interviews, getting pretty far along the interview process, and then companies deciding to go with another person. But then I read an article on TechCrunch that said that the numbers of people in tech laid off just in Q1 this year was over 163,000 people. And that's just the numbers from the large companies that have to publish the numbers, not from the smaller companies like where I came from of 60 people that had massive layoffs also. So that helped put in perspective, like, it's not me, it's everyone right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'll just add to that too, and thank you for sharing, is that yes, not you, it's everyone. And we're also seeing people get hired too. So there's this really, it's the complexity of like multiple truths at the same time, where it's yes, the economy, like big question mark right now, layoffs absolutely happening. And we're also seeing a lot of people get hired. So all of this, it's the ecosystem and it's the blob. We're like, we can't quite, there's no one headline that fits. I think all of the truths that are happening, particularly like in the hiring space, but yeah, you're not alone in the same spot. Yep. Okay, cool. I'm glad this is resonating, hitting. All right, so let's move into optimism for a few, because I think this is directly related to that motivation and that desire to be positive, right? And stay positive. And while there's absolutely value in that, I think there's also absolutely value in like the real raw emotions. You know what I mean? Of this sucks and the reality of like, this is hard. And there's there's room for all of this. There's room for you, the human, and there's room for you, the CEO of the product of you, who's going to move projects forward anyway. And the practice of kind of making spaces for both of those sides, I find there's a difference between deciding to do this and everything is miserable, hard, and like when you're really in it, right? Like where this is terrible, nothing's working, blah, blah, blah. The commitment to that story a hundred percent of the time probably doesn't serve us, right? When we're showing up and like working on the work, there's room to be like, okay, that is true for part of me. And I'm committed to working on this. Like now I'm going to work on it. And there's room for, and I know there's possibility is still here because there's other people getting hired. So it could be me too. Unfortunately, don't have a crystal ball. So I don't know when, but I do know that if I continue putting in the effort, we're going to keep going in a direction that hopefully isn't the way we want to go. So the questions that came through around optimism specifically, number one was how to maintain optimism with the job market. So terrible and hiring. So dehumanizing. And then the second one was overall, like I'm struggling to be optimistic about my job search and I have a lot of negative thoughts take over. So how to deal with this and be more motivated. And so really what I just talked about is like the idea that there are multiple truths at the same time, I think is a big part of this. Another part of this is just friendly reminder, like global pandemic, we all just walked through and perhaps are still like coming out of. And so just on the human side of things, I just want to recognize that this is hard. Like life is not necessarily, doesn't start easy. And this part is hard. It's like, this is all a challenging time that we're like navigating. So with that, I think there's a question of, and an invitation for personal support. And like, how are you being supported right now? Like you as the human forgetting like career stuff for a moment, that might be something to check in on. There are like tons of resources at all different price points and no price point too. So if you are feeling very burdened by everything, please get support. And while coaching is great, it is not the same as therapy. So throwing that out there. From there, and really like moving into more specifically about career and jobs and that sort of thing, there's an element of, or a tool really to be able to look at the multiple things, right? As the CEO of the product of you, to be able to look up and look at the market and assess the market, and then also to be able to look over at the product and assess the product. 
and then to decide like where you're putting your energy into for better or worse, the market, I can't actually control what I can work on is the product of me and the marketing materials and the materials that are a part of that. And then hope, and then the hope would be right. That interacts with the market differently because it rises up, right? It stands out amongst the crowded market. And I think this is important because there's, it doesn't make the current landscape less hard necessarily, but what it does do is by like you choosing to commit and just like making it a clear commitment for yourself of I'm working on this right now, whether that's solo or with a friend who's like on a similar path or in a community, when you do that, there's a level of like responsibility that you're taking for your place in this world and for the job part of it. And when you start to walk that path over and over, what happens is you are building evidence day after day around consistency. Consistency is not perfection. It is not every day I'm working on tweaking my bullet points. Like you're not going to get very far with that, right? It's not about doing a certain amount of time or even applying to a high number of jobs. Like it's not necessarily like I did a thousand, I'm closer because that's not actually what necessarily brings us closer. In my perspective anyway, it's more of a deep dive of doing the development of the work, right? You can send out a thousand resumes, but if that resume is not strong, if it's not written from a, the part of you that like has the view of confidence in what you were doing, if it hasn't, if you haven't taken the time to go back and really dig into the work you've done and like what you really want to pull out from that, the stories that are going to help you convert. Once you do that, number one, again, that personal transformation starts to happen because you're literally like, oh my God, I have all this evidence of like great work that I've done inside of UX or nothing related to UX. And then we start to throw that out there. And that typically, you know, has a different response in the market than the thing that we just threw out there. So the number necessarily is not as important as the effort. And I think something that comes up a lot of times in CSL is the, a lot of times the big success we're looking for, of course, is like getting the role, accepting it, feeling really good about the number and the responsibilities and all of that jazz. And that is really only one of the many successes that happen like throughout the process. And so I would, while having that, uh, yes, you're allowed to have that end goal, right? But also to zoom out and really look at the rest of the process too. And like the development of these tools, the development of your marketing strategy and your sales strategy and becoming stronger at sales and marketing for yourself, number one, will help you be stronger at sales and marketing for everything, which is only going to help your job search, right? But also for you as a human, imagine what would life be like with 10% more confidence or 20% more confidence, right? Things change. And so when your marketing materials, in this case, your career materials are reflecting that, things do change, right? We get the call, we get the outreach, and it's easier to communicate that on phone calls and interviews where you then have the evidence lined up in your portfolio and your resume and your LinkedIn and all that jazz. Okay. Let's see. I'm just going to check in with the comments here. So I see more about the grief about past work because that came up for me this week. Yeah. So sometimes, so jobs are one of those things where there's beginnings and ends, right? And ends, whether we are good with them or would have done them a different way, there's often grief there, whether it's good or bad, whatever's happening. And life as a human, like it's different phases, right? And stages and chapters, there is grief in all of that. With joy, there is grief. With gains, there is loss. And I mentioned before, like sometimes that inner voice has to, it, it has a relationship back to how our caretakers spoke to us, right? What we learned from them and what gets imprinted, <laughs> copy and pasted into our operating system and how we're shown to process grief what kind of environments are created for us to do that also can show up in this place. So if we experienced pain or disappointment as kids and it was like, stop crying, go to your room. Cool. There's not a lot of room for grief to be processed there, or at least not in community. It's done in private. And that can be a lot harder to actually move through something because humans are connected creatures, right? Where we're trying to actually move through things together. So that the grief and 
in grief, like part of that is shame, right? Like part of that is denial. Part of that, like Google grief, there's many stages and phases and like pieces of it and ways that it can show up. And so a lot of times as we're even touching the job stuff, before we're even getting into the intricacy of this boss at that job, it can just be like, a, ugh, I hate this and I don't want to touch it. And sometimes disgust too is a sign that, oh, there's some grief here. There's some change here. There's some stuff I'm like touching and looking at that. Like, I don't want to thank you anyway, or I don't have the tools to do that. Like, I don't even know that I don't have the tools because I didn't know there was a tool because I've never been modeled that before. And that brings a different level of hard to this where the challenge actually becomes like, oh my God, now I have to build the tools <laughs> to grieve and then to process what's in front of me and then articulate what happened in a way that positions me as a powerful person that you'd want on your team easy if I give you the three steps to do it, but like hard if we're taking into account the human moving through that as well. And that's why this is like a bit deeper than just like doing the things, checking the boxes. Not to say that's not a part of it either. Let me know if that makes sense or if anyone has any other questions around that. I'm just going to scroll through the comments for a sec. Okay. Anything else around like optimism or shall we move into confidence? I'm going to take the silence as move into confidence. <laughs> okay. You had a question. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I had a really interesting comment that I think mm -hmm. rang for a lot of us, which is, and this is the downside of LinkedIn, mm -hmm. which has got lots of good sides. Seeing all those bosses who are like, here's my great person who was just laid off. You should hire them. And watching your bosses not doing that for you on LinkedIn or your colleagues, and then extrapolating a whole story from that. Yes. Thank you so much for bringing that up. That actually just gave me chills, truly. It reminds me too of a client mentorship is something that comes up, right? And feedback that you've processed from different people. And sometimes lack of feedback is harder than negative feedback or constructive feedback for that matter. And because of the hierarchy, right? Like the structure of businesses, like a lot of familial old truths do pop up in different where it's still like a leadership person who may or may not see you or want to be there to support you or take the personal responsibility to do that. And I think Going back to the beginning and like the values of what do you want in your next role and the kind of service that's available. I think part of that is like being part of a team and like you being able to be that for someone else and to be in an environment, knowing that will be there for you too, is an important piece of this to think about. And if we want to be in an environment like that and yeah, LinkedIn can absolutely be LinkedIn and anywhere else on the internet or in life, but like triggering in some way, shape or form. There's a lot that comes up that feels like a jab where it's not, but it can throw you off for a couple hours or a couple days or weeks. And I think that's real too. And there's a fine line between being on and being active and doing the networking, right? We have to check those boxes, but at the same time, is this serving me right now? Do I have capacity for this? Or do I need to go focus on this? Because that's really woof, messing with me. So yeah, there's a lot there. Yep. And you make a great point. A lot of people are busy, right? Like they're dealing with all their own stuff. It's typically not about us anyway, but it's so easy to make up that it is. And really like, they're probably afraid of being laid off too. And they're like, we're all living in this. Okay. I see the question, the period between finishing an education and building up a portfolio slash publishing that portfolio. What framing recommendations do you have around thinking about this and not getting bogged down? Let's see. Are you open to unmuting and sharing a little bit more about that question. I see that you're unmuted. I cannot hear you though. Okay. So to keep us moving forward, I'm going to, I'll give a little spiel about this and we can definitely come back to it as well. There's some hard parts, right? Like we all get stuck in like different pieces. So there's probably the period between finishing an education and building up a portfolio and publishing a portfolio. There are things in your education that you can use in your portfolio. So I guess I'm just confused around which part of getting the projects. Cause I would argue that like you can use projects from your education and in life and concepts that you have that you can create projects for. So there's not like necessarily time that has to be in between there, but I might be misunderstanding that. Okay. I'm going to move into the kind of general zoomed out confidence stuff. And then if there's more questions there, please feel free to put them in the chat. Okay. So confidence, here are the questions that came through just so we're all on the same page about where I'm pulling from here. One was like generally interview mindset tips. Another one was how do I work on my confidence in the workplace? I feel scared to contribute to conversations because I'm scared in my idea that my ideas aren't good enough. I'm also scared to show my work for feedback for fear of criticism, interview skills, confidence, and imposter syndrome. 
Uh, ageism is something that we've been hearing a lot of lately, and that came up in the questions too. Becca and I were going back and forth about this yesterday. This person said they were laid off in January. They don't have solid experience and are almost 44. I just started switching to UX and using interaction design foundations and mentorship. I would like to know if I can still make the switch or am I too old? I'm here to tell you, you are not too old. Yes, you can make the switch. And whoever, I'm looking at this anonymously right now. So I don't know who this came from, which is fine. But if you are someone who's in this boat, like message, you can email admissions at sarahjudy.com and it'll come to us, the coaching team, or you can message Sarah directly about this too on LinkedIn, because this is like a fiery subject. We're going to do a podcast episode on it. So feel free to like reach out about that if you want to go into this deeper. And then enoughness was another theme that I saw too, which is like, how do you address the prevalent fear of I'm not doing enough and I should do more so that you don't get burnt out by job hunting. So we've got a lot here. Hopefully something from this is helpful. Take what you want of this entire call, take what you want and leave the rest. Some of this might be helpful today, some of it in three months. And now let's dive into the confidence piece. <laughs> okay. So overall, when we think about confidence and consider like, where does confidence come from, right? It's typically from like preparation and experience. Depending on your job history and current life circumstances and just experience on this planet, we all have varying degrees of experience, right? And preparation. And so when we think about confidence, I often ask the question, like, do you need information or do you need belief? And that is something that can be helpful for anyone to take and consider anytime you're thinking about a new course, a boot camp, a design program, like a literally anything. Do I need information or belief? And maybe a better question around that is like, what percentage of each do you need, do you think, to gain confidence? Because Again, typically it's a bit of both. We need information to feel confident that like I have understanding and then we need belief to feel like, and I can implement this and I trust myself to show up and be able to do the thing. A lot of times what gets in the way of confidence is putting all of the power on the externals. So if my confidence is dependent on the job market changing if layoffs are hurting my confidence, which is totally fine for that to be happening, but it's helpful to recognize that and then be like, okay, that part I can't control. Here's what I can control, right? My level of information and preparation and my level of belief around this. And part of the belief sometimes for we're all wired differently and we'll need different things, but what can be helpful in terms of belief and confidence is gathering evidence for yourself. And part of moving through working on your career materials, which might be a different process for everyone, but the one that we teach in CSL, part of moving through those materials is the gathering of evidence of here's my experience, but then taking that and connecting the, connecting the dots to, and here's why this makes me a great candidate. And as you do that, as you go through the process of looking at the evidence, taking it and like processing whatever's there, and then translating it to, and here's how it works in like the marketing of the product of me, that's what then makes us confident to sell. So a lot of that comes in the process and the work of moving forward and doing that. And there's in here, as I think through just us as people, right? So now that's for the job part, pausing and just for the human part, right? Like sometimes, so part of these questions are like, if I feel scared to contribute to conversations because my ideas aren't enough and scared to show work around feedback for criticism, that to me, there's some layer of, you know, there's what's true in a job environment and what's true in that environment. If you're working in a job where there is no room for feedback, you've watched people get fired, then you have evidence that this is actually like the strategy to stay safe, right? Is to not contribute. If you are in a different environment where you're watching a boss give all of your coworkers feedback and like they're having a great conversation and everyone's like growing, then you have evidence of, huh, okay, it could be safe for me to do that. So a piece of this is the safety piece of, okay, why doesn't this feel safe? And without having a conversation, it's hard to figure that out. But for whoever this is and for whoever it serves to think about this, we can just think about, huh, what's causing me to feel this way? When was the first time I can remember feeling like this? A lot of times too, with the, your ideas aren't enough specifically, I'm just going to share this one as an example. Think back to specifically, like what is the earliest memory you can think of where your ideas weren't enough? And sometimes 
just taking a flashlight and throwing the light on that experience can be enough to like, oh, wow, that's like when I was in fourth grade, this happened and that can clear it. And then we're like free to move forward in a different way. Other times that's like a, oh, okay, that's a thread. And when I pull it like, oh my gosh, it's like the magician scarf. And I'm going to take that to therapy because there's like more here. But again, just thinking about the things that are stopping us and just looking at that, like searching it in your personal Google, where does this come up? What files are related to this? And then deciding what to do with those files. Does this require a clean out or can I just hit delete? What do I actually need here? And that is like a piece of the, your personal development process in figuring out how to move forward. When you do that and when you show up for yourself, even just doing the Google search for yourself, that is you showing up for you. That is something that like not anyone else can really do. I'm like facilitating and asking a question here, right? I'm giving you an idea, but I can't Google anyone else's history. So when you show up and do that for yourself, you are actually building self-trust because you now have evidence that, oh, I show up for me. Oh, I'm willing to reflect. Where sometimes lack of confidence can show up as I really don't, I'm scared. Lack of confidence can also show up on the other side of the spectrum, which is I don't need this. I'm good. I don't need anything. I don't need anyone's feedback. I'm so good at everything. He's an idiot. He didn't know what he was writing on my thing. You know what I mean? So we have this full spectrum and different pieces of us can come up and different pieces of that doesn't all have to be one way, but starting to notice that and just pay attention to that. Again, that's another act of you showing up for you, which again is building self-trust. What happens when we build self-trust? Your confidence goes up because it's not as it's not sitting on, I need the world to be different. It's I trust myself to do my best in this situation. And that's what we're really looking for when we get questions about, okay, I have a call with a recruiter and what do I need to say? Like, how do I make them like believe that like I'm the person for this? And it's if you've done the work of, again, going through all of your work experience and connecting the dots, you know, those talking points, you have them on your resume, you have them on your LinkedIn, like they're all here. And now it's a matter of connecting with another person and believing that you're on the same level. And a lot of times it can be very easy to fall into this like idea of the hierarchy of the recruiter. I have to impress them. And what we're really looking for in that is more connection and more, yeah, I deserve to be here. There's no question about that because then they don't have a question about that. When we come in with questions about that's what they sense. And then there's like that weird, like power dynamic shift where you can feel like, oh, they were talking down to me. But as someone who is self-trusting and practicing communication, right? If you feel like someone's talking down, then we can ask a question, right? And be like, hey, like, I'm just noticing this feels like you're being a little short. Are we running out of time or is there something I've done to, and we have a conscious conversation and we bring the dynamic back to, nope, we're on the same page here. Like when we feel those shifts, the self-trust is what, what allows us to do that. Cause we know, even though I don't know where this conversation is going to go, I'm betting on the fact that like, I can figure it out. <laughs> Worst case I hang up because like, I don't need to be in a situation that's toxic to me. And again, with an asterisk of, I understand if that is not available to you right now, given life circumstances and like what you actually need to make life work. So none of that is shared in a, you're doing it wrong. We're not strong enough. Just act confident. No, again, this is complex. There are like a number of levels around this and different pieces of us that will need different things to move through powerfully. But key takeaways here for me anyway, I think are like the consistency of you showing up for you. That might look like sitting on the couch after a 10 hour day and relaxing instead of working on your resume one day, that's you showing up for you on another instance though, like on another day, it might look like deciding to open up the portfolio and like, look at the case study template because you really want to be prepared when something comes by, even if you're not job searching right now, that's like the preventative versus the reactive. Something bad happened. Now I have to fix it sometimes. And again, this is not. We don't all necessarily have capacity for all of these things or interest or motivation around doing these things, but there's also the world where I'm preparing this before something happens because just for me, just because I know I'm great and I know I'm not doing the best job at doing this. So I'm choosing now is the season where I'm going to work on this. And again, just like showing up for that, showing up for, oh, I feel sad about this right now and not immediately being like, oh, you're an idiot. Get off LinkedIn. It's like the, yeah, that makes sense. What do I need right now? to get off LinkedIn for right now. Okay. I'll go back tomorrow. And so when we start to do those very micro actions that take care of ourselves, again, this is a deposit in your bank of self-trust and that does cross over to confidence because you start to treat yourself differently. And then other, it, it is the thing of the way you do it. Someone 
in some ways, sometimes this is not an always thing, but we give like permission of here's what I'm thinking about myself based on the way, like I'm showing up. That's probably how you're going to treat me too. If I show up and I'm like, Hey, so great to meet you. If I'm in full confidence, it's very hard to speak down to me like that. You know what I mean? And some things in the job search experience are performative, such as those calls. When you're showing up on an interview, you might be doing a bit of, this is my presentation self. This isn't me when I'm like working hard on what I'm good at. And that's okay. Knowing that, having the verbiage around that and like strategically choosing, I'm going to do this to do that. I'm going to do that to do that. Nope. That's a hard no for me. That's empowerment. And that's where the confidence comes from is having those boundaries as you're moving through. Okay. Pausing to look at comments. Let's see. Great. looks like we have some good conversations going over here. So that's confidence. When we talk about ageism, so the enoughness piece, let me actually wrap this on the age. The enoughness piece typically is like a long-term, right? That is like a chronic wound almost that we're like healing as you move through this process. And it starts with presence and just like being here and like the decision. And then we look and it's not, it doesn't have to get like woo or intricate, but just having that lens on it sometimes can be helpful. The fact that, oh, that's a healing thing, not a switch a button thing. Oh, that's a healing thing. That's like an inside of me thing and not necessarily a just on a job interview thing. And like when we can start to see those interconnectedness pieces of the puzzle, then we can show up for them too and just accept them and get curious about what do I need here? What needs to change? Or is this just like a quick switch now that I have the awareness? Because awareness sometimes is enough for a lot of changes as well. On the ageism front. I just want to touch on that too, because I know it's a thing that's coming up right now. And Becca, maybe you want to chime in here too, because I know you and Sarah went back and forth about this for a little while too. I personally, and again, like this is personal things, the same way, like the product of you, like you're going as the CEO, there's a level of here's what's true. And you can have all the tools of CEOing in the world. And ultimately, you know, what's right for your business. Same with the product of you. So in my like view of this, I'm like, yes, ageism is a thing. And there are things to do that like, we still see success. We still see people over 40 getting hired. So this is like a both and for me. Becca, do you want to bring anything else to that kind of conversation? I love what you said. It's a both and kind of thing. I could share because this is a conversation, like you said, that we've been having with Sarah most recently. It's come up again. So, you know, hot topic for sure. And from Sarah's perspective, I love that she says that it's like she feels that it's really more of a myth than a reality. So I'll just share that because I hope that people find comfort in that. We've definitely worked with people inside of CSL who have gotten hired, who, you know, are over the age of 40 and up. And I don't know where everyone stands and feeling that way of feeling like, oh, am I too old for this? But we definitely have worked with people and who have had success inside of the program with that. And there's also advantages that Sarah points out because with age and with being what we call a career climber, (laughs) that means that you bring a lot of skills and these skills are valuable because you've been working for many years. And when you look at that side of things, people who are younger and either coming from a boot camp or just don't have the wealth of experience that you have, you're going to be better positioned when you look at it under that lens. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. Yeah. Or do you have anything you want to share or keep going for now? You can keep going for now. I can just yeah. reiterate what Becca said of seeing a lot of folks find success in and outside of CSL. But I think the stories that warm my heart the most are those folks that are over 50 that really come in and they're like, I really don't think I can do this. And then they do it. And it's not even really what we do for them. It's more so that mindset shift and they just take off and take flight. And I love to see that happen for them. Yes. Agree. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. And if you're someone, if you're like, no, but I want the case study, send them to me again, email us. We're happy to do that. So moving on, if there are any other questions around the confidence and ageism and kind of the enoughness and the wounds that might be there that actually end up getting healed by a process that like working on your resume might not be the first thing you think of when you think about building confidence. It's more supposed to reflect your level of confidence, right? But building it, building the resume actually builds the confidence as you go. So there's that. Uh, The last thing on my list here is rejection. And so obviously a big part of the job search for many, most 99.9% of people is an element of rejection, right? 
And so the question that was asked around this, I'm going to tweak a little bit, but I'm going to share it with you. So the question was how to analyze your rejections and build a strategy to evolve your assets. So I want to talk about like how to analyze rejections, but more so, I think there was, this was even a bigger question that I honed down on. What I'd like to share here is that as you move through rejections, rejections are data. And we've touched on this before, like a lot of times the results that we see are not so much personal about us, the human, they're the results of our career materials, right? Or the results of a conversation. And really it's a reflection of our skills and our ability to translate our experience into the story that is the evidence that you should hire me for this job, right? And so that the failure isn't you as a human, it's the failure of that communication, or there's no failure at all, surprise. And actually there's just a better candidate. That means not, absolutely nothing about you. You could have gotten a hundred and the person choosing, like I mentioned before about like us kind of choosing our strategy, the person choosing, even if they have all the rules of how to pick a person, you could be 100% the best person. They're still a person choosing, which means that there's going to be some uh, personal element there, right? Like they're using their personal algorithm plus the data. And so sometimes it just doesn't work out too. And so as we're looking at rejections and taking in the data that is rejections, I think the most important thing here is to start to just like, number one, you know, realize that there's feelings and facts, right? And then start to look at the information through those two lenses. Okay. Here's what I know. Here's what I'm thinking, but I don't actually know. And here's like how I feel about that. And when we can start to pull apart the feelings and facts, the feelings like, okay, they probably need to be processed and maybe, maybe talk through with someone to process them. Maybe it's just time where they go away. Maybe there's more there. And on the fact side, it might be like, okay, the feedback I received from this person was that I didn't have enough of this specific kind of experience. Okay. Now that I know that information, do I actually want a job like this? Let me make sure that this is actually in alignment with what I want. Do I respect the person giving me this feedback? Is this important? Should I be taking this feedback? Have I gotten this feedback more than once? Or is this a, I just heard this and maybe I need to talk to someone else to confirm this feedback or get another opinion. And then from there, now that I have this data, there's multiple strategies to change this, right? Sometimes it can feel like I got rejected. Like I need to go do a boot camp to get this and then I can do that. And that might be true for you, but if you're going to a boot camp to get experience, cause you'll have the project at the ends and you think the network will be better. Like maybe that's not actually, that's a strategy to consider, but maybe it's more about, okay, I know I need to go back to this portfolio project. And like, I need feedback around this specific thing. How do I grow this? Because the communication is what's missing, not actually the experience. A lot of times when we have a lot of a lot of experience or experience that doesn't feel perfect or right for what we're looking for. And I'm air quoting because <laughs> those can all mean different things to each of us. And sometimes our feelings are true and sometimes they line up and sometimes they don't. I'll get portfolios sometimes in the critique process and people are like, I know this is crappy. It's my first draft. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Tweak these three things. Other times people are very confident with what they send in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a very long, let me go through all the things so I can help here it doesn't, it's okay. So getting the feedback and then choosing the different things. Sometimes it is a throw it away. Sometimes it is a, oh, I need to start over. Sometimes it's a, oh, this was too long. I actually only need this, this piece and to focus on that. Sometimes it's a, why don't you just swap this for that other project that you've been talking about that's sitting on a shelf. Just get rid of this one. Sometimes it's, oh, if you're going to talk about this, don't forget this part of it. There's many nuances and intricacies here, and it's less like pass fail. It's much more, what can I do to improve this and what needs to happen? And so being able to come to that and get solutions in a way where there's room for feelings, but we're not leading with feelings. And then to be able to look at all of the data, not just the one data point, just because one person said, no, that's not necessarily enough. If I know that 40 people have overlooked something, then I know, okay, before I continue to send out this resume, for example, I probably need to do some work on this, right? There's probably something that I'm not seeing. So is there a peer? Is there a mentor? Is there whoever that it makes sense to get that kind of feedback so that you have a direction that it makes sense to take rather than throwing spaghetti at the wall, losing a bunch of energy because it creates that cycle of, okay, I'm changing all these things. I'm putting in so much effort, but it's not paying off. And so just checking on, okay, 
Have I done this change a lot? Have I ever seen positive success from this change? Is there a way I can test it and get feedback from someone that this is creating the change that I want to have here, right? Is there someone who's like in hiring that you can talk to that might be able to give you feedback, but less about failure, bad, now change, and really being intentional about how we change and the process of choosing the strategy and the path that we take there. I think all of those things are important. Rejection is excellent data and it can be hard on our feelings. And so I think just knowing that and having a full picture can be helpful. Okay. I'm pausing again here. That's like the end two of, that's the last question I wanted to make sure I got to mention here. I know we only have a couple minutes left, but if anyone has any kind of like open loop or a follow-up question around that, happy to take a few minutes to speak to anything specific as well. Also, was this helpful at all? Does this resonate like with what you're going through? If you, okay, thank you for nodding. I appreciate it. (laughs) And if you could just let us know in the comments if this was helpful, my little feelings would appreciate it. All of this is vulnerable, by the way, right? Showing up, presenting, sharing what you think. Here's what I did. All of that is vulnerable. And so even just remembering that too, like the act of applying for jobs is vulnerable. That's why it hurts when we get rejected or when we don't get what we want, because you're doing something vulnerable and it's okay. Like we still get to do that. So just throwing that out there in case it is helpful for anyone. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's see. Yeah. Humanity. Yeah. I think one of the questions had the phrase like dehumanizing in it. And that's one that like I highlighted as I was going through because the process does feel dehumanizing when we were playing the numbers game, when you can see on LinkedIn that 80 people have applied and now I'm throwing my resume in the pile, like, ah. And so I think the networking and connecting all can get very important there too. And the best way to become a good connection, this is like off topic, but oops, I'm going for it. The best way to make those connections and to feel really comfortable and to do networking that doesn't feel gross is to like do the connection with yourself first, which is like the check-ins and the, how am I feelings and the, what do I need? And when we start to do that for ourselves, that builds that self-trust which builds then the confidence, which then makes the connection much easier because we're starting here instead of on the like unleveled ground, if that makes sense. All right. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for taking the time and your energy. I sincerely appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Career Strategy Podcast. Make sure to follow me, Sarah Duty, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or LinkedIn. If anything in today's episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear about it. Tag me on social media or send me a DM. And lastly, if you found this episode helpful, I'd really appreciate it if you could share it with a friend or give us a quick rating on Spotify or review on Apple Podcasts. Catch you later.